Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to the first ever Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm your host, Ryland Stiles, and alongside me, my co-host, Grant Tuttle. Hello, we're bringing you the Chiefs, the AFC West, and the rest. Grant, this is our first ever episode. How are you doing today as, our, as we start to record this new journey and this new podcast? I'm feeling good, feeling ready to roll. It's going to be fun. It's going to be real fun. So real quick, just about what we're going to try to bring you guys. We are obviously affiliated with Arrowhead Attic. We both uh, write for the sites in various degrees and now uh, host podcasts. So hopefully we'll be able to have some of our fellow staff members on the show. Uh, In general, it'll be a podcast at least twice a week during the season to kind of recap and preview each week. And during the off season, just as news breaks, at least weekly, but as news breaks, we might have a surprise emergency podcast if something happens like Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, God forbid, or Joe Flacco's trade to the Broncos. Oh, wait, that did happen. And uh, Grant, you know, just if you want to tell the audience about yourself or about what you'd want this podcast to be, etc., the floor is yours. Oh, you know, I just I'm here to make fun of the Broncos and uh, all their terrible quarterback decisions. Uh, I think that's a good uh, fair way to look (laughs) at it. Um, I am uh, excited to uh, talk offseason. The offseason is actually more enjoyable for me than the regular season in some aspects as far as talking about it because, I mean, you can think about what's, uh, what's coming. Uh, are we going to get Jalen Ramsey? Are we going to have Eric Berry play in Chiefs uniform ever again? I mean, just topics like that are fun to, to think about during the offseason. So I'm excited for not only the season but uh, the offseason. So I'm ready to roll. Yeah, football is, is really a, uh, a year-round sport, kind of like basketball is now. Uh, it'll be interesting to, to say the least. And uh, I guess our first topic should just be Joe Flacco's a Bronco, and I think that the Chiefs are going to just continue to win the FC West forever now. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. <laughs> what did you think whenever you first saw Adam Scheffner, I believe, had it first, that Joe Flacco is a Denver Bronco? I just, I, at first I stared at my phone and thought, this isn't real. This is like that fake Adam Schefter account. And so I like looked <laughs> and I saw Ian Rappaport's report as well on it. And I just, I shook my head for a second. And then I was like, you know what? This just makes perfect sense. This is John Elway. This is John Elway as a general manager. Yeah, it, it's really funny to me how these great players like John Elway, Magic Johnson, LeBron James, none of them know how to run an organization. Despite how good they are, <laughs> yeah. they always make the wrong personnel decisions. Yeah. You know, it's it was funny. I don't know what possessed them to do this. I don't think that you gain anything by trading in pretty much Case Keenum for Joe Flacco. Not that Case Keenum was in the trade, but just the production you're going to get out of Flacco compared to Keenum yeah. is not that different. They're pretty much the same. I think that PFF has them ranked like two spots apart 
and Joe Flacco was benched at the beginning of the season, so who knows? He could have even been worse had he been able to play the entire season. So who knows? Yeah, and, and you know, they only gave up, I believe, a mid-round pick, but they also gave up all that cap room to him. So really the the Ravens come out of this deal uh, you know, incredible, and the Broncos are just the laughing stock of football right now. Yeah, I mean, and you know that kind of leads us in. Go I, ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, like we got a third round pick for Alex Smith, uh, who I I would consider a much better quarterback than Joe Flacco uh, last season, uh, last off season. So uh, it's incredible that the Broncos were willing to give up a fourth round pick for a guy that was benched and was likely going to be cut this off season. Yeah, it it really doesn't make any sense to me. I think that, you know, honestly, just not taking on that salary, you know, not not taking on that cap hit and just drafting a guy like Drew Locke or Daniel Jones or any of these quarterbacks, period, uh, would be a better upside play than to just bring in Joe Flacco. Because Joe, Joe Flacco, even if he does have a turnaround season and becomes an average quarterback again, you don't have enough around him to to overtake the Chiefs or to make any sort of noise in the AFC. I don't think. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I, I don't think that we can discount that they'll uh, they might draft a quarterback in the in the first or second round. Um, perhaps John Elway is trying to go for a, a major reload that we don't see coming. But I mean, it's daunting to see them. Like, if I was a Broncos fan, I, I think I'd be in shambles right now uh, because I. I I honestly don't know what direction uh, the general manager is putting out there with this signing. And to your point, I thought that that's what the Redskins were going to do with Alex Smith. Yeah. Because Alex Smith is that kind of quarterback like he was for Kansas City. He can stabilize the team. He can get your organization going in the right direction. And then you give it to the young guy. But Joe Flacco, although he did that in Baltimore to an extent, he's not necessarily that same type of guy who can kind of keep everything afloat and make something happen. Cause Alex Smith was really good uh, in 2017 and really his career in Kansas city at making things happen to a certain extent, obviously not to the extent of Patrick Mahomes or a quarterback of that nature, but he was a, a much better player than and Joe you know, Flacco and was. And the draft classes were way different the year that the Redskins could have drafted a quarterback ultimately didn't. And of course, Patrick Mahomes is draft. Yeah, class. And you know, I, I think about, uh, how Alex Smith was like the perfect mentor to uh, Patrick Mahomes. And then you hear the rumors out of uh, Baltimore that Joe Flacco had no interest at all in helping out a Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, does that change if the Broncos bring in his replacement? Do they, If they draft a Drew Locke, uh, if they draft a Daniel Jones, is he going to be a happy mentor? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's, that's the way that would play out. I kind of think that he would probably just be upset that he was not the starting quarterback of the future. And so, I mean, when you're 35 years old, you got to start thinking about being a mentor. A lot of NFL coaches uh, or a lot of NFL um, quarterbacks become coaches later. And I, I don't think that's what Joe Flacco wants to do. I think he wants to play quarterback. And so, even bringing him in as a patch for one of these younger guys doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me. Yeah, I'm not sure what what is going through their mind. And that's kind of a trend throughout the AFC West as we can transition now to the entire division as a whole. What is your take on what's happening around the Chiefs? I think it's a really interesting um, division. I think that if you look at the Chargers, they, I, I believe that they are one of the most well-rounded teams in football. Uh I, I I don't know how much longer Phil Rivers can uh, continue his magic. I mean, every year it seems like he loses a little bit of arm strength, 
and he still is able to lead his team to at least uh, a wild card game uh, or close to it. And so uh, I'm interested to see if they even consider drafting a, a guy in the second or third round. Um, I, I'm interested in that. I think that the Bron- it will be telling to see what the Raiders do in this draft. I mean, when they have three first-round picks, uh, if they want a quarterback, if they want one of the top guys, they can get him. Now, they have a bunch of money tied up in Derek Carr. I, I fully understand that. But John Gruden's new, and it's John Gruden's way or the highway. Um, we've seen that in the first uh, his first season where he traded away all his, his big-time stars. And it would appear to me that Derek Carr isn't immune from that. Um, so if they want somebody, they can absolutely trade up for that number one spot. Um, whether they do or not, I have no idea. Um, but I think that that is a very interesting part of this division. Yeah, and as you mentioned that about Derek Carr, if Joe Flacco can get traded, I know Derek Carr's not a very good quarterback, but if Joe Flacco can get traded and the Ravens can get off of that money, I have to think that there's a team desperate enough to try Derek Carr because although he's not very good, he's better than Joe Flacco. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think that, you know, I don't think John Gruden's in love with Derek Carr. You know, I think he's a good soldier and, you know, he's not going to throw Derek Carr into the bus. I think that if he had his way, though, he would want a different quarterback. But also this draft class, I just, I don't think I like any of these quarterbacks as top in, you know, franchise quarterbacks uh, right now. I think that there's a lot of Kirk Cousins and not a lot of Patrick Mahomes in this draft I class. Say, I, I like one of the quarterbacks. And uh, I'm sure that I'm going to get a lot of at, at me's on Twitter uh, where uh, I'm a big Kyler Murray guy just because he has such great arm talent. He might be tiny, he might get injured on the first hit, but I believe in his upside. I think that if there's one player that you want to to have the potential to make your offense go, it would be Kyler Murray. But that being said, he's not a Broncos guy. He's not he's not tall or wide enough, uh, and uh, um, <laughs> I, I don't think that he's necessarily a Gruden guy either. Yeah, and I think to your point that you know you shouldn't really be crucified for that because I I mean look at Kyler Murray I've watched him his whole career just being from Oklahoma and, and being around the Sooners and everything you know watching him this past year he took some pretty big hits despite the Big 12 not playing any sort of defense in that cha- in that playoff game against Alabama I mean he came out with a swollen eye because he took such a massive hit from an NFL defensive end he, and in the NFL, you don't, you already don't take very many hits at that quarterback position. I don't think his durability will be in question. He's a very tough kid. I really don't think his size will be in that much question because he, in terms of just factual, not necessarily uh, the media, I think that the media, of course, will question him. But what I'm saying is the, the OU offensive line itself was pretty big. I mean, it was the biggest in college football in terms of just weight, height. He had to maneuver that and still put up a Heisman campaign and a very good uh, season, and I honestly better than Baker Mayfield was in college, that is. I think that if a team should give him a chance, I would love to see him in Miami or or somewhere like that, Uh, maybe even Washington, although I don't know how Jay Gruden would handle Kyler Murray because he obviously did not like RG3 at all and put RG3 in some bad spots. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't really know what his what his fit would be in Washington, but 
you know, I do agree that Kyler Murray is the best quarterback in this draft class, without a question. And, and it's it's a considerable it's a considerable margin that he's the best quarterback in the draft class. So I am interested to see how he throws at the combine, and also because if you remember, the combines where Baker Mayfield got uh, not noticed but got to that first overall pick status. And I don't think that that's going to be the case for Murray, but the combine for Murray with his running ability and his throwing ability, I think, can shoot him up very high. Yeah. Uh... The only other quarterback that's even a first-round grade for me, I've, I've made a big board, uh, but the only other guy that has any uh, first-round caliber uh, is uh, Haskins. Uh, and I, I think a lot of his stuff is off of potential. I don't think that we saw nearly enough from him in college uh, to make him a, a top-five guy, although I know he will go. I know that I, I, I personally believe that Locke, uh, Haskins, and uh, Murray will all go top 10 uh, because that's the nature of quarterbacks. That's wow. the nature of quarterbacks. People are going to trade up whether they uh, – the, if they if they feel like one of those guys is their guy, they will move up further than they need to to get him. The Chiefs moved up to 10 for Pat Mahomes, yeah, I, and I think that was, that, that was in, incredible that they were able to do that. So, Yeah, and I think that, you know, to your point, that's, you know, I, I said, wow, in the sense of we, we haven't really seen anyone go out on that ledge yet. We've always heard media members say how bad the draft class is. I haven't heard very many people say that so many could go in the top 10, but you're right. I mean, before the combine, Mitchell Trubisky was not the number two overall pick. You know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, I know Jay Binkley, I'll give him a shout out from 610 Sports. He was very much in on Mahomes from day one uh, for Kansas City, but he also wasn't a top 10 sort of guy, you know, at this time in his draft cycle. It was after that combine and everything that he shot up. So, I mean, here in a few weeks, your take just there might be one of the most popular around sports media. So, you know, of course, I'll credit you with that. Uh, you mentioned that you know you might get some ads on Twitter. Go ahead and throw your Twitter handle out real quick because I'm all about self promotion and getting those follows. <laughs> uh, so I'm at Grant T M N Tuttle. Uh, like uh, I thought it was really funny when I was a teenager. Like I was a Ninja Turtle, so T M N Tuttle. Grant T M N Tuttle. <laughs> that is pretty funny. I'm at Rylan underscore Styles. It's R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. And so now that was. That was an extensive topic for the AFC West, and now do you want to shift into maybe some uh, draft talk as we've kind of gone over the quarterbacks, and I know this is kind of your forte, uh, but real quick, going back to the quarterbacks, uh, where do you have, what do you have on Daniel Jones, and where do you have him kind of falling, because you know he's kind of this year's Mitch Trubisky for myself, I'm pretty ignorant to what he uh, might bring to a team or might not bring to a team, just kind of hearsay. I know I think Mina Kimes really likes uh, Daniel Jones. What do you I'm have on him? I'm not a huge fan of Daniel Jones, uh, partially because I think that uh, what you saw of, of him in college is about uh, his ceiling, which, I mean, it, it was fine. It was, a, it, was a, it was a guy that I think he could be a very good career backup. I, I'm not sold on him being a franchise quarterback. I think that he's got decent pocket presence, but – when it when it comes to it, like he he uh, gets happy feet. He's he's able to he's he's not able to make uh, throws into tight windows. I just I, there's nothing that uh, pops from his film that says, man, that guy has a shot. Whereas a guy like Drew Locke has very good arm talent. He just doesn't have good footwork. Uh, those are the kind of things that you can improve on. Whereas I thought that I thought that Jones had some had some decent footwork. Uh, it was just the arm talent wasn't quite there. 
and as I said on the front end, I'm, I'm totally ignorant on this uh, specific quarterback, but whenever I would watch him in college, because I do watch a lot of college football, when I would just watch him, just the raw live game, not necessarily the studying that you do, what kept coming in my mind was uh, Blake Bortles. Is that at all accurate to you, or is that way off? And again, feel free to just say you're totally wrong, but that's kind of the, the feel I got just watching a few games I, I of his at Duke. Fair. I think that like I like I wouldn't I wouldn't hate Blake Bortles as my backup quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Like I think that he would be a fine backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. I just I am not going to say that I'm sold on him being a guy uh, that would be anybody's franchise quarterback. But that being said, I'm sure he'll go first round. If, if Lamar Jackson uh, was got drafted at 32, I mean, it would only make sense that he would also go in the first round. Yeah, I think that you're right. Of course, with you know just the the, the value of quarterback and, and teams just talking themselves into that quarterback position, and you know just to give fans a peek behind the curtain at this uh, sort of episode because I always love whenever my favorite you know podcasts or, or radio shows do that. You know we we got together last week and said hey let's do a podcast let's put it on the website let's you know have some fun talk about some football and it's something we were both interested in. And you made a, a Google document, I mean, you know, a, a show rundown of what to put on the show and everything. And we haven't really talked at all, just period. We haven't really known each other for more than uh, a week, maybe. And so we haven't got a chance to discuss who we like, who we don't like. And the first or the second name I see on your draft list is a dude who's my number one and I love, and it's David Montgomery. And I would love if the Chiefs could get him. So let's talk yeah, about him yeah, right this now. This is a Chiefs podcast. We should, we should probably focus more Chiefs, huh? Uh, I think that David Montgomery is uh, my number one back. Um, a lot of people don't like his um, speed. Uh, I think that, that that's fine, but Kareem Hunt didn't have any speed. He wasn't like a super fast guy, but they were very similar in the regard that they had a very good balance. Uh, when they get hit, they seem to balance, they seem to bounce off of uh, defenders and fall forward, uh, which is huge. I mean, that so- the, the idea of falling forward sounds silly, uh, like uh, when it comes to running backs, but that's that's <laughs> one one or two more yards that uh, you could be stopped on a third and one or a third and two. Um, and so the thing that I love about David Montgomery is his ability. He's he's got a an incredible uh, cut move, which for a guy his size is kind of impressive. But what what is really impressive is his uh, ability to break tackles. Yeah, and I, I just would love to see what he can do. Uh, with the Chiefs, obviously the Chiefs uh, found themselves a uh, a very valuable running back who you know kind of flew on their radar in, in Dam Williams. But you know, I think that he'd be a very a very valuable pick. And you can you can again feel free to disagree, but I think that even that second round pick for him wouldn't be you know uh, too much of a stretch. Well, in that, my I opinion. think that's fair. Uh, personally, I'm not a guy that wants to go out and draft running backs early. Uh, because I, I'm one of those new mm-hmm. age guys that doesn't believe that running backs matter that much. Uh, I, but as far as yeah, as far as electrifying talent, I think he's one of the best in the entire draft class. Uh, so I would say I would say if I was going to draft him, it would be third round at the earliest. But um, that being said, uh, I would there's there's some other players that. Uh, I would I would definitely not put above uh, Montgomery that are of a of a higher um, value position. Uh, I know a lot of people are high on like Penny Hart and all these guys that are from smaller colleges that play wide receiver. And I I I would take 
I would take Montgomery over them any day of the week. Yeah, and, and I think that you're right. And do you have anything else that you want to talk about on the uh, on the draft so far? This is only episode one. We have a lot of time to talk about the draft, but is there anything that we missed that you kind of wanted to mention? Uh, uh, I, the I'm game? just going to say not to sleep on the idea that the Chiefs might take an offensive player. Uh, I, I I think that uh, when they went out and drafted an entire draft class of defensive players uh, last uh, year, I I think that people were like, oh, yes, this is what we need defense. Uh, and the, here we are again saying the same thing. But I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them mm-hmm. use a lot of their free agency capital on defensive players and then draft an offensive weapon uh, to just – make that offense even more lethal which sounds like crazy but absolutely fun that would be so much fun it would and you know i think honestly the only the only defensive draft pick that hit last year was dorno daniel who you know obviously didn't get to uh get that much playing time until later on the year but was very impactful i think that of all those guys they drafted they missed on all of them except for him, I, uh, uh, in so my far, opinion. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Tremont Smith's a fine returner, but that's not why you should draft anybody. Uh, but I think, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Dorian O'Daniel will be a big part of this defense going forward uh, as the will linebacker, as a weak side guy who can drop into coverage, um, make plays uh, on reverses and on the other side of the field. So he's got great speed he can uh see the entire field he's he's generally genuinely impressive because i thought when they drafted him that they were going to move him up to safety and make him a box guy like uh like uh, dorian or uh, like daniel Sorensen uh for his replacement but um mm-hmm. the fact that they kept him at linebacker is really interesting going forward and uh i'm i'm excited to see what he does in a 4-3 as the weak side guy yeah it'll be fun for sure and one thing you have on here is, is the is the Chris Jones versus Tyreek Kill debate. And I think this is maybe the most interesting debate of the offseason because you can really uh, talk about it in a lot of different ways. So why don't you start that off and, and we'll see where uh, things I'm go. I'm just going to say Chris Jones to me is the most valuable asset on this defense. Uh, he's a guy that uh, if, if he's not – if there – People, of people not named Aaron Donald, I believe he's one of the best defensive uh, tackles in football. Uh, so I, I would personally sign him because that market just keeps inflating and inflating and inflating because of people like Aaron Donald. And so I, I can understand the sentiment of uh, trying to get a guy like Tyreek Hill under contract, but you already have a Sammy Watkins under contract. If you need to hold out another year on Tyreek Hill, that's fine. Um, I would personally just like to see them go Chris Jones first. Yeah, and and I think that you're right. I think that Chris Jones, you know, in terms of this year, by far deserves the entire the pay raise. I think that another another sort of uh, how would you say it? Another sort of just kind of chip on on uh, Chris Jones's side or argument for him would be the belief that Patrick Mahomes can really make any wide receiver yeah. look good for the most part. And so although, you know, it'll be hard to just turn, uh, you know, Robinson into a over 1,000-yard receiver, 
you wouldn't be sliding him up to number one. You'd kind of be trying to draft someone who can supplement Tyreek Hill you know, later on and then use what talent they have to have Patrick Mahomes elevate them even more. I think that you know the Mahomes argument really fits into this debate because Tyreek Hill doesn't make Mahomes. Mahomes doesn't make Tyreek Hill, so to say, but, but he kind of he can do this with other players than yeah, just Tyreek right. Hill. Whereas that defense can't really get another Chris Jones. The Chris Jones is more valuable and indispensable than Tyreek Hill totally is. Fair. Uh, I think that this is apparent from when Patrick Mahomes came in for his first uh, start against Denver, and he made Albert Wilson uh, a whole lot of money uh, going to uh, Miami <laughs> just by his performance with what was, I think they he finished with like 11 receptions for almost 200 yards just because Patrick Mahomes just kept targeting him. And, um, yeah, I think that's a fair argument. Now I'm not going to go ahead and say that I think that we should just let Tyreek Hill walk because I think he's one of the most explosive players in the league. Um, but I think it is, if you had to choose between one or the other, I think as it sits right now, I would pick Chris Jones uh, because he seems like he's trending upward at a higher uh, pace than anyone else on the Chiefs' defensive side of the ball. And he's uh, he had a, an excellent season last year. And let's face it, if they lose any more talent on defense, they'll be the worst uh, defense in the history of the game. Yeah, and that that's correct right there as well. And the Chiefs do have, you know, some ways this offseason to kind of make some salary cap room for all these guys that need contracts uh, here coming up. And, you know, even a guy like Patrick Mahomes, do you think about extending him, you know, obviously as soon as possible because at the trajectory it looks right now, it looks like he's only going to get more and more expensive the longer you kind of uh, wait around. Obviously they can't, you know, they can't do anything until his – what your three yeah. season is whenever you can start uh, having yeah. extensions given out. So, you know, obviously, you know, they can't do anything till then, but I think as soon, as soon as that day uh, for Mahomes comes, they're going to give him the extension extension on the spot, unless he just completely falls off, which I don't think he can do that. I think that he has just too much talent to, you know, come down from what we saw yeah, uh, this I, last I season. I at all surprised um, if the, Chiefs uh, signed him at the earliest possible moment because I think that they honestly believe that they're going to go Super Bowl or bust for the next two years. And then I think that they'll want to get him under contract so they can uh, save money in the long run uh, because quarterbacks are just going to get more and more expensive. Uh, and I, I would try to max out how many years you get him under too. I mean, like if you could sign him to a, a 10-year deal, just do it. I'm not sure that's legal. I think you have to – I think it's seven is the max in the NFL – um, but I think that if that's, if that's available, you should do it, uh, because I think that they're going to be good for a long time and they'll want to have enough money in the future to put, uh, weapons around him. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, right now the chief said like 19 in the NFL in cap in cap space. And that's, of course, while still having Houston, Barry, uh, all those guys, because the new league year hasn't started yet, they haven't really had a chance to, to try to create any room for the most part. Uh, you know, Do you see them kind of creating more salary cap and, and being able to maybe getting both Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill this year, or do you think that they're kind of just pay one and, and, and keep the cap where it's at? I definitely attempt to sign both guys um, because, like I said, people just get more and more expensive as time goes on. 
Um, but mm-hmm. I think that one thing that they'll look to do is cut out these little pieces that cost a little too much money. Uh, one of those guys that I can see that I wanted to be cut last year was uh, Daniel Sorensen. Uh, I think he's a fine backup safety. Uh, he's getting paid like a starter, um, and he is just a box safety that's not very good at it. Um, so I think he'll be a cap casualty. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be a guy that will free up, I think, two and a half million, which doesn't sound like a lot. Um, but if you add up him and several other guys that are not coming to me right offhand, but I remember seeing somebody's tweet about who there was like five guys you could cut that you wouldn't notice at all on defense. I think Xavier Williams was one. Um, I can't remember the other guys, but if you cut them, it would equal about 10 million in cap space and you wouldn't even lose anything on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I know that you know there were some there were some kind of cut and trade options of Houston, Sorson, Raglan, Murray, Xavier Williams, yeah. uh, guys like that. Uh, which kind of leads me to the, the next question we have on here: What would you do Justin with Justin Houston? Houston? Is a tough thing. Uh, I would I would love to see Justin Houston come back. Uh, I, I think he's a he's one of those guys that he's not at the same level that he once was. He's not. He's not at, at peak Justin Houston, just like J.J. Watt's not peak J.J. Watt anymore. Um, but I think that he's he's an excellent run defender. He didn't he took a step backwards in that category this year. Uh, he's not as great of a pass rusher as he once was. But when he wins, I mean that just makes all the difference. And I think that him on one side and D. Ford on the other uh, is is partially why D. Ford looks so good this year. So it is a tough thing for me to say, yeah, I really want them to just go out and cut um, Justin Houston because I, I don't know who they're going to replace him with, and that that's nerve-wracking to me um, because I, I'm not a huge Breland Speaks guy uh, at the moment. Um, and I know that the Chiefs have <laughs> applauded him and his growth, and I just I haven't seen it yet, so I can't believe it. Um, so I honestly, as it stands right now, I think that the Chiefs will have to probably move on from Justin Houston because he's going to cost so much money, and why would you restructure your contract to make less Um, unless he was all about winning, which is possible, I guess, Uh, but that's just not normally the nature of the NFL. Yeah, I think what you said was right is that, you know, as a fan, you know, as someone who covers the team, you'd want to see Justin Houston get another not another shot but just another chance to run it back in Kansas City especially with the new defensive coordinator who we're going to talk about in a second but also just looking at it realistically through the the eyes of an NFL front office and just how the NFL world works it might not be very realistic to have that happen but do you think if it were to happen and we did see Justin uh, Houston back with D Ford and it's all back the gang's back together in Kansas City do you think Houston has a chance to have a have a uh, kind of bounce back year or a better year a better uh, uh fit in Steve Spagnuolo's I mean, system I, I mean I don't think that I don't think that it can get any worse I think that that's one of the best things about this is that when they when they hired Steve Spagnolo, I wasn't like super excited, uh, but I thought you know this is, this just can't get any worse. And so if they move these guys around and they're at least put into the positions that they need to be put in, uh, which they weren't for several of the games, that was evident when Eric Berry came out and was was yelling at Orlando Scandrick to get, to move around uh, because he was obviously out of position. Um, if they're just in the right position, I think they're in better shape. So I'm not going to discount that. 
anybody would have a uh, worse year under Spagnolo because I think that, or a, a better year under Spagnolo because I think that when you're in the right position and you have somebody that's giving you good instruction and they have a pretty darn good coaching staff uh, from what I can see um, going forward. So I, I think that pretty much everybody will uh, improve off of Spagnolo's defense. Yeah, I, I think what you said is all correct. You know, I, I think that, you know, you mentioned before that it can't get any worse. And I think that Steve might not even have as much of a leash as Bob Sutton did. I think that Andy Reid would be much quicker to pull the trigger if things aren't working. But also, like you said, just having guys in position and not having Justin Houston drop back and, and yeah. pass coverage on Antonio Brown uh, might make him even better. Uh, you know, assuredly will make him even better if they could uh, manage to keep Ford yeah. and Houston together uh, on that line. I think that Bob Sutton got confused as to what – uh, his guys did well. I think that he trusted his own system. I, I, I feel a little bit bad for Bob Sutton because I think that the, the NFL just moved a little too fast for him. Um, I think that he was not ready for a heavy passing attack where he had to constantly adjust, and that showed all too, all too clearly um, in years where he had, like you said, Justin Houston on Antonio Brown, which I will never forgive or forget. <laughs> so remember that Bob if you're listening um but I I think that like like I said Spagnolo just having a guy that knows what he's doing in today's NFL I mean this is a guy that had a had a year off to just sit back and watch football and scheme like if if there's one thing that would benefit somebody it's it's time off where they can just take notes and just think about what they're going to do when they come back and so he had that ability to sit around and take notes. I think Spagnolo has something up his sleeve. And with this coaching staff, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Chiefs went from like uh, the worst defense to at least like a, you know, like a top 15, top 10 defense next year. And from one possible cap casualty to another, what do you think about Eric Berry, and what do you think that the Chiefs should do first and then oh, will man. do second? Eric Berry is another tough one because I, I, I love Eric Berry. Um, it's it, the stuff with his his surgery is really weird right now. We I, most of the time when these things happen, they have surgery the day after the season, and so I don't know if they're they're trying to figure out what to do as far as letting swelling going down or if they're they're waiting for a certain period of time before he has this if he's getting second and third opinions I don't know but it is it is taking a long time for us to hear anything about his surgery other than uh, Brett Veach coming out and saying he was in Green Bay uh, where a specialist is Um, that being said I I would assume that we would have heard something by now if he would have gotten the surgery so it might point to the idea that the Chiefs might be moving on from him. This might be in his his uh, he can't fail his physical if uh, he doesn't get surgery um, because he played, um, and so that might be part mm-hmm. of it. Uh, I don't know. I I like Eric Berry, but I I don't know if it's his time to uh, retire or not. I think it might be. I think it might be a time where he's just been um, he's been beat up. A lot of his career, his struggle with cancer, which, I mean, just, I love Eric Berry. This is this is one of the toughest things for me to say, but I think it might be time to move on from Eric Berry. Yeah, you know, I think that 
a lot of the time fans have a tough time separating, you know, the emotional side of it, the personal side of it to football. And none, none of which more evident than Eric Berry's situation where, you know, you see a guy that's just a great human, but then he had to go through cancer and, and handled that so well and, and came back from that so well. And also just cancer in itself being such a relatable topic with so many people uh, being affected by that themselves or just having a family member go through that and them having to get through that with them and just rooting for him so much. And, and from the time he got to Kansas City, even before the injuries and, and the cancer happened, just having him be such a great guy in the community and also having fans kind of rally around him. You know, it's hard to say what you just said, but I think you're totally right. I think that, you know, it's over uh, in terms of him being an elite safety. I think that, you know, obviously the contract hasn't panned out whatsoever. You know, it hasn't panned out at all. And I think that, you know, it's just time for both sides to really uh, move on. I think that, you know, the, the Chiefs and, and Barry and fans shouldn't have any ill will, but I, th- I just think it's time. I, I don't think that it's ever going to be the same again. And I'm not sure how you fix this sort of thing uh, in terms of his injury because, I mean, this is the, this is the second uh, or third year of this to where no one can really figure out why this is happening in an age where we have so much uh, advancements in technology and and medicine and we still can't figure out how to get him healthy. It, it, it's kind of concerning, and, and you're right. Maybe even just for his own personal body, it's time for him to just stop playing yeah, football uh, I mean, we altogether. Saw that with, um, uh what's his face out of Seattle uh Cam Chancellor uh, yeah he had to retire after, Cam Chancellor after last season because he just couldn't pass his physicals and I mean Eric Berry can pass the physical I just I can't imagine he's going to be worth that money and I can't imagine that an organization like the Chiefs is going to want a guy around that's not going to live up to that contract um they might have to eat a lot of uh cash and just say hey Eric we We've decided we need to move on. Um, and that's, this is going to be a tough transition point for the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, this is kind of a thing where Eric Berry was a big part of the the defense for the last, uh, I don't know how many years he's been in the league, probably five or six, seven. Um, I, I remember when he was drafted and how he made an immediate impact. And I, I, it sounds like <laughs> right now we need to stop doing this because right now it sounds like we've already cut him. Uh, so <laughs> we need to stop mourning. But – that being said, I'm I'm trying to mentally prepare myself for if that was to happen. Yeah, and you know, we we said obviously what we would do is I think we can both agree is cut him. Correct? We would both go ahead and make yeah. that decision with a with a heavy yeah. heart. We would go ahead and, yeah, and so. cut him. And now, do you think that that's what the Chiefs are going to actually do? I can't, I can't say for sure. I, I like I said, I think it's really odd what's going on right now with with the lack of communication about what what's going to happen with his surgery. I mean, like a guy like I know you're an NBA guy, um, like John Wall uh, had a pre- procedure done um, that was similar, if not exactly uh, the same thing. The Haglund's deformity on his ankle, um, and they had already said that it was mm-hmm. going to take. I forgot how long, like six months recovery. Um, and then he slipped and tore his Achilles, and now they're saying it's going to be a really long time before John Wall comes back and plays any more basketball. Uh, I just I think that for a football player in a contact sport, 
it might have it might take longer uh, for the initial surgery to be done. And if anything were to happen to it, I can't imagine he'd ever play football again, again, or even walk very well again. So we'll see. Yeah, and you know, D'Angelo uh, Hall had that same sort of thing as well with John Wall and, and Barry, where you know he got hurt. And then, you know, he had his surgery, he was set to recover, and then at his at his house, he slipped getting a piece of pizza and tore his Achilles, and he was never the same after that. He did get to play, I believe, one, maybe two more years uh, in Washington to end his career. But, um, yeah, I think that the writing's on the wall with him, uh, Barry, that is, being, you know, kind of just... Uh, done for in terms of being an impactful uh, player on the field. I think off the field, though, his impact is still great. And, and you see that guys who haven't even gotten to play with Eric Berry yet at the time, obviously he did play you know, against the Chargers and in the playoffs. But before that, some guys that were playing on this team, like Kendall Fuller and, and those guys, never got to play with him, but yet they still respected him. And he was still the guy who was in the middle of the huddles before the game, you know, getting guys fired up, uh, uh, sending out messages and telling guys what they need to be doing and why, uh, stuff like that. He's still very uh, impactful in that locker room. I think that, you know, it'll be tough to do. And like you said, there, there's not really any sort of way that we can know right now what the Chiefs are going to do. And that's usually the opposite. Usually the, the writing's kind of on the wall with these sort of things. Uh, in the NFL, especially with how many media members there are, how many, how much attention that the sport gets, usually a lot of these moves, you know, the writing is on the wall and you can kind of tell what's going to happen. But with Barry, you know, your guess is as good as mine, is as good yeah. as a homeless yeah. man who drafted Johnny Menzel. So... <laughs> I don't really know uh, what to think. I think that, like you mentioned way, way, way earlier in the show, this is kind of why the off season is just as, if not more, interesting than the regular season. Yeah, I would, uh, I would definitely say so. I, I, I think that this what what makes the Barry thing even more interesting is that if they move on from him, they won't save a whole bunch of money. But this this free agent class of safeties is is very very impressive. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss it on a later episode, but I think that Barry is, is while at his peak was an elite uh, player that could never be replaced, I think that his, his talent right now could be replaced by somebody for far less money. Yeah, and, and real quick to end the show to kind of wrap everything up, uh, let's circle back to the draft uh, real quick. And this is just kind of kind of going to kind of be a rapid fire segment to where don't really have to give names of prospects. Just we're going to go through each round. Just give me the position that you'd like to see Kansas City go with uh, in round one, round two, three, four, five, six, seven. So let's start with round one. What position would you like to see uh, the front office uh, go in round one? For anything, it depends on who's there, obviously. Um, but. Right offhand, mm-hmm. I want to say cornerback um, because they don't have a lockdown guy. Uh, they have a guy, that Kendall Fuller, who's who's very good in the slot. He's a he's a solid corner in the slot. Um, but as like, I don't see anybody else. Stephen Nelson. Um, I I don't see any of these guys that are going to step up their game enough to be a lockdown guy. And I think that the only way to get a lockdown guy really is to uh, take him in the first round. 
And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, like I said, I'm not going to mention prospects, but now I'm going to do that anyway. Uh, what about a guy like DeAndre Baker? I'm very high on him, cornerback uh, out of Georgia. I'm very high on him, and I really like the fit in Kansas City. Yeah, I what like do you think DeAndre about Baker. DeAndre Baker? Uh, I, I think that he's a solid corner. He does all the right things. Uh, he's not a necessarily flashy player. He's not like a, he's not a guy that will um, do the same things like Marcus Peters did when he was good in Kansas City, uh, like when he was good. Uh, but um, he he's a solid <laughs> guy. He's a guy that will uh, play at a high level uh, every game. I think that there's a couple other corners that have a higher playmaker upside, um, which I would like to see. But that being said, where the Chiefs pick at 29, I think that DeAndre Baker probably makes the most sense at this point. Yeah, and and like you said, you know, this all kind of depends on, is contingent on who's available, where, what trades happen, what moves are made. So, you know, you you mentioned before that you wanted to see the Chiefs kind of uh, go all offensive in in this draft. Uh, What are some of the positions you'd like to see uh, rounds two through seven, obviously we, we discussed round one, you know, what would you like to see happen here in this draft? What kind of is the biggest needs offensively you know, and defensively for you? Like, um, like I said, with the safety class, I think that that can easily be addressed. Um, I think that there's some pass rushers that could come in uh, and, and rip, at least uh, contribute on third downs, uh, which they'll need in nickel packages. Um, so if they can address those two things in uh, free agency, I would love to see them take a tight end in this class. This tight end class is legit. Uh, I like uh, Donald Parham. He's a, he's a, he's a fifth-round guy uh, out of Stetson. He's like six foot eight, and he's, uh, he, he's, hardly even a, he's hardly even a football player, but he is so athletic that I would just love to see them take a chance on a small school guy that could that could – step in and, in my opinion, immediately uh, erase the um, Demetrius Harris thing uh, because I, I'm tired of seeing him drop easy passes. I don't know about you, but uh, I think that there's a guy there. I think there's uh, there's a pocket of wide receivers that will be available in the second and third rounds. Uh, there's a lot of big-bodied receivers, a lot of guys that um, are not, tr- not really uh, – traditional anymore in the NFL. A lot of the NFL now is like the Cole Beasley's and the Tyreek Hill fast guys. Um, but there's a lot of big guys that I would like to see them co- to bring in. Um, like Kelvin Benjamin is probably not going to be on the team next year, I wouldn't assume. Uh, so I would think that they might take a risk on a guy that could eventually replace Sammy Watkins uh, or Tyreek Hill. I don't want to say that because I love Tyreek Hill and I I, I would much rather see them get rid of Sammy Watkins uh, at the end of his contract than Hill. So, um, yeah, I just think real quick on that on the wide receiver point, I would love to see Mahomes. Yeah, with Hakeem yeah. Butler, he's a guy the that I think, Iowa State wide receiver. Depending on how things go, he could be a guy that falls to that third round. Uh, he's a guy that I, I think is uh, he's he's limited in a couple things. I don't I don't think that. He was able to stretch the field um, uh, horizontally like he should have been able to. Um, but I think that you can you can implement that in the NFL a little bit easier than uh, one might expect. So I, I like Hakeem Butler. Um, I, I also, like I said, with the tight end class, uh, I did a, an article on Noah Fant out of Iowa, uh, who is just 
he's incredible. If the Chiefs took him in the first round, I would not be upset at all. Uh, he's got his teammate TJ Hawkinson, who's a guy that uh, people are touting as that that number one Gronk type tight end. But Noah Fant is the offensive player that I would really like because he's a he is a fast tight end. He is like a a large receiver out there, and he's he's a serviceable blocker. He's not a great blocker, but he's serviceable. And I think he would fit this Chiefs offense really, really well. Now, towards the back end, I would like to see them draft a running back. I would like to see them like I think that the like just them going more offensive in this draft would uh, go a long ways in benefiting them um, for the future. Yeah, and you mentioned you know uh, wanting to see them go offensive and, and tight ends and wide receivers. Uh, the news came out today. I'm not sure if you saw this because it happened like right around the time that we started recording and and getting things ready to go. But Marquise Brown, the wide receiver from Oklahoma, is getting surgery, and of course, uh, before that, he was a top 15 wide receiver uh, in this class, and it's foot surgery uh, for him. Do you think that maybe this opens the door for him to fall down to the I Chiefs' do. range if, if they, uh, uh, in this draft? If they want to try to take him in the first round or trade up in the second round to take him. I think that him not being able to test will actually hurt him more than you might think because he's a, he's a speed guy. And so a lot of times NFL executives will want to see that speed at the combine or at a pro day. And with his injury, he can't show it off anywhere. Um, so I definitely think that there's a possibility he slides a long ways. And so if Kansas city wants to get a guy like that to pair with Tyree kill, I mean, woof, who's going to stop that? <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine him with Patrick Mahomes? And I think that we can say that for every wide receiver prospect, yeah. but especially Butler and Brown. Just getting to watch those guys in the Big Twelve, could you imagine them yes, with Mahomes? I, I, that would I'm be all here for amazing. Marquise Brown, if he's healthy, uh, he's he's very fast. Uh, he's a guy that I have a second round grade on anyway. I think that he'll get taken too soon. Um, if, if he was healthy, I think he was going to get taken too early anyway. So if he's available at two, I think that's right in the spot that, that they should have taken him anyway. So, uh, yeah, Marquise, Marquise Brown would be uh, awesome to pair up with Tyreek Hill because that would be instantly the most electrifying offense in the last decade of football. Uh, real quick, because, you know, as you can tell at home listening to this show, we hope that you're enjoying it so far. But obviously, Grant, you're, you're really into the draft and, and, and grading and everything. And, and that's something I'm also into as well. But I want to kind of defer to you because it sounds like you've already gotten your uh, big boards and everything out of the way uh, early on. I usually start that around this time. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned that you have a I believe you said round two grade on Brown, correct? And where the Chiefs draft right now, I just want to get an idea of your ideology. Where the Chiefs draft right now, and and the back half of the first round, really at the end of the first round, do you think that if they if they or any team drafts a guy in that in that area of of around you know twenty eight to thirty uh, you know to thirty two, do you think that if they draft a guy with a second round grade there, that that's a reach, or would you be okay with that for any team, not just the Chiefs? Just what is your idea I think on reaches and, and, and stuff like that? Um, in the first round, I think you take a guy you like. Now, I wasn't a fan of Breland Speaks in the second round because I think once you get past that first round, I think then you start trying to get best player available, guy that is um, the highest on your board. But if you really like a guy and you might not have as high of a grade on him, I think it's fine. I think it's fine to, to, 
dip back a little bit and take a guy that you you think has a higher ceiling or that you just like for whatever reason more? I don't I don't have any problem with that at all. Yeah, this this was very fun. You know, it was very fun to record this podcast, and there's going to be many more uh, to come. Uh, Grant, yeah, uh, what did you think about the first great. episode um, of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast? I'm excited for this to take off. Um, I, I feel like I rambled a little bit too much, but I'm, I'm excited for uh, future episodes and uh, to continue bringing you the Chiefs, the AFC West, and the rest. And Grant, one more time for your Twitter. Oh, yeah. That way, uh, fans Grant, will know how to get you. At Grant TMN Tuttle, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Tuttle, just TMNT. <laughs> and on Twitter, you can find me at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. And so, you know, Grant is very excited about this podcast, as am I, and he is chomping at the bit to keep recording and doing stuff uh, around the show, which I appreciate greatly. It's it's always good to have someone else who's also on the same page as you whenever you do a project like this. And so I can assure you, Grant will record any time that any news breaks or, you know, anything comes up. And even if he just wants to talk Chiefs, I'm here for it. He's here for it. So what we need you guys to do at home is get on Twitter. Follow Arrowhead Attic if you don't already. Follow us and tweet us topics you'd want to hear us talk about, questions you may have, what you liked about the show, especially what you didn't like about the show and how we can improve because we literally yes. are talking to yes. each other for the first time right now. So the the chemistry will get better as we go along. The the formatting will get better as we go along. This was kind of a an episode that we kind of bounced around to a lot of different things. And that was fun. It was great. And we'd like to know if you guys like that or if you guys would want more kind of structure yeah. to it. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought um, it went I mean, well. Like I How said, about I'm you, really man? excited about uh, bringing you guys this, this stuff because uh, I can just, I can talk my head off. People don't necessarily want to hear me. So uh, if I have this outlet, that's great. <laughs> yeah, we can all talk about the Chiefs all day, every day. Let us know again what you liked, what you didn't like, what you agreed with on topics, what you didn't agree with. Let us know your opinions, you know, on Twitter and you know, in, in any sort of uh, review you may find on iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Uh, we'll be checking everything. We'll be we'll be uh, conversing with you guys. Also, this will be up on, of course, the website. So, in the comment section of the article that you're listening to this on, you can uh, comment on that too. And so, we'll for sure see you again next week uh, on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Uh, Grant, any final words? Just, uh, that Arrowhead Addict has a bunch of excellent writers. Um, they they all contribute different things. And uh, if you don't get anything else out of this podcast, just to check out their work. Uh, they they all like to uh, take time out of their day just to uh, write articles um, that are just absolutely fun to read. Um, so I'm just going to plug that Arrowhead Addict is one of the best chief sites out there. Yeah, and piggybacking on that, just a huge shout out to Matt Connor, who uh, you know keeps everything afloat <laughs> at our website at arrowheadaddict.com and also uh, was a huge help in getting this podcast off the ground, getting me and, and Grant in communication with each other, and just really a, a big help in anything that you may need. He's a he's a very good he's a very good guy, and, and he really cares about the Chiefs. He really cares cares about fans, and he cares about seeing us do great things. Uh, those of us who write for him and and now podcast for him, and so 
again, like like Grant said, this is a great website. It's a great community to to join. And if you want to write for them, you can uh, you know apply to be a writer for Airheadic, and you can even just you know comment on articles. That's kind of the biggest thing. I don't know about you, Grant, but yeah. I love to see comments on stuff I write. What fans like what, that I said, what fans don't like, uh, and what their perspective is because. As fans say, we kind of want to get a feel for what you fans think, and we're fans as well, but we want to get an opinion of what everyone thinks yeah, and kind of I get that all, that all in one. So, you know, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. It was a bit longer than, uh, than you know, we want to keep you for, but if you enjoyed it all the way up to this point, thank you. And, you know, some episodes will go longer than 45 minutes, but we kind of want to get around that 45-minute mark. Uh, but again, the first episode, we're learning, we're getting our feet wet, we're trying to grow. So for Grant Tuttle, I'm Ryland Stiles. Thank you all for listening. Be good and be good to one another. This was the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.